Wow. Welcome to This Here Wow, brought to you in part by Jen Schulte, real estate broker with Century 21 Millennium Inc. Brokerage, the Jen Schulte team leading you home. This Here Wow is the podcast dedicated to highlighting entirely exceptional people, places, and things found right here, right under our noses in South Georgian Bay. I'm Dean Holland, the lucky so-and-so charged with the exceedingly pleasurable task of pulling that all together right here each week from the comfort of Studio 11. I am quite willing to admit that I likely often lose sight of how very fortunate a man I am. First and foremost, well, this is due to the woman I married and had four children with. The second reason is those four children that we made over a period of years. Ironically, it might be the antics of said children that are also responsible for my losing sight of how fortunate I am from time to time. They're also responsible for my losing my sense of humor on a pretty regular basis. If you're a parent, you probably exactly know what I'm talking about. Love them all the bits, just the same. Another reason that I consider myself so very fortunate is due to the people, places, and things that I have had the opportunity to work with over the years in my profession as an entertainer. A good portion of my career has been in music. As a singer, in various capacities, including scores of musical theater productions and numerous concerts, I cannot begin to tell you how integral a part of my life music is. It's up there in terms of importance with air and food, and, well, uh, almost up there, as high as my wife ranks. As I began making decisions on this week's episode of This Here Wow, I quickly settled on a few things that have touched my life in a musical way, right here in South Georgian Bay, all of which wowed me for one reason or another. All three of my guests are very different in nature. However, they all have music and sound in common. Furthermore, it occurred to me that they all, collectively, span almost a hundred years in their stories and existence. So, without further ado, a five, a six, a five, six, seven, and... This here, this here, this here, wow! A bit over a hundred years ago, governments of the day, provincial, I'm pretty sure gave a bit of money to towns and townships in an effort to help them in the building of town halls and the like. These buildings often housed council chambers, municipal offices, and even jail cells. You'll find towns all over Ontario, in other provinces too, I'm sure, with such buildings. Now, the other thing that our forefathers often did with some of that money, and not always to the knowledge of the government from what I've been told, is use some of that money to include a performance space, a theater or an opera hall. More times than not, these performance spaces were situated on the most upper level of that structure. These buildings represented the center of town, where people came to meet for business and for pleasure. The town of Meaford is one of those places that has just that type of structure I've been describing. Now, as a performer of music and as a teacher of drama and musical theater, I've had the opportunity to play on the stage of Meaford Hall, and let me tell you, there's plenty to love about it. I reached out to Susan Lake, manager of the Meaford Hall Arts and Cultural Center, and someone I've known for a long time now, to share some of the details about this truly wonderful space. I guess we could go right back to the beginning when originally, you know, built as a uh, town hall with a performance venue. And that was quite common at the time, I believe, that there would be, you know, some kind of theater. Uh, but we were very fortunate in the way that the architects designed for the acoustics, which here we are 110 years later, still an amazingly uh, 
you know, the acoustically sound room. And the artists who come all comment on it. And um, so anyway, we, so it was uh, the forefathers, you know, whatever we call them that had the foresight to see that we needed this type of a venue. It's, it's been great uh, for the community since 1908. And um, it was fully renovated through a Superbuild grant and reopened in 2006. And up until that time, it, it was the town hall. And after we renovated, it became strictly an arts and cultural center. So again, uh, $6 million uh, was the initial renovation. The one thing that was not changed was the integrity of the proscenium arch and the acoustics in the theater. And the, the ceiling was not changed. There was nothing that needed to be improved or changed about the facility from 1908, which is really a testament to those people who initially designed it. Yeah, and we're gonna talk a little bit about the proscenium arch because there's, there's a lot of people that don't know what a proscenium arch ah, is. Okay. And uh, so I know this just in my travels as an entertainer yes. Um, yes. or what we refer to as the pros, you mm -hmm. know, but the proscenium arch. So you you tell me what you know about the proscenium <laughs> arch. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not the expert um, as I'm not a performer, but my understanding is it's a way of um, capturing the sound that's coming off the stage in a way that allows the room to be acoustically present sound. Right. Well, in Meaford Hall, because I have performed there as well. And yes. I there. So Meaford Hall has a very unique proscenium arch because it is, it's got that kind of that concave, it's made almost in a bell shape to throw the sound out. So yeah, it, it's, it really is a, a, a really lovely design from a sound point of view, for sure. And, uh, and that's, that was important in the day because when these were built, you didn't have electronically amplified sound. Exactly. And there are many uh, performers who, you know, in their sound check and things like that, just stand on the stage and sing or speak just to hear the room. It is, and it is, then they always comment on it. It's a nice bright room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when I say bright, I mean, from a sound um, point of view, it's a nice bright, yeah. it's, it just, the, the sound carries so wonderfully. Um, something else that we used to have that we no longer do was a pit, the orchestra pit. And that was taken out when we renovated in 2006. So we were able to sort of extend the apron of the stage out a little bit uh, to give more space. I was going to say the, the super build. Can we talk a little bit about the super build and what exactly that did to the building? What exactly that added on back in the early 2000s? Yeah. So it was a combination of the super build grant and the, there was a Trillium grant as well. And the Trillium grant is what allowed the uh, Meaford Hall to become fully accessible uh, with the elevator. So the Trillium grant paid for the elevator shaft and the addition on the uh, east side of the building that is all now glass that you'll notice when you drive around. And then the super build part of the grant, pay, the building had to be taken right down, uh, completely stripped, re, you know, the wiring, uh, all of that had to be redone. The building had become quite dilapidated. Uh, the entire theater itself had to be pulled apart and renovated. So everything had to be rewired and, and taken right down to the studs kind of thing. So it was a massive project, a massive undertaking. I think the construction took at least two years from start but you, to finish. But you know, what you were left with was, in my estimation, a really beautiful mix of your modern and your historical. I, I'm a personal, I love that mix. And uh, because in my mind, it really amplifies the historic when you team it up with that, with that glass and that metal. 
Yes, absolutely. And the one nice thing too is that in the galleries where our intermissions are held, which used to be the courthouse um, and some of the clerk's department, uh, the municipal offices, and now it's an art gallery, but the original floors uh, in, especially in the um, South Gallery, no, the North Gallery, they're the original floors. So they were uh, refurbished. They were originally purchased uh, from Knights of Beeford and, uh, and they were able to, you know, just sand it down and polish it up and, and uh, and keep them. So once again, that you're right, there's a combination of the old and the new in Meaford Hall. Yeah, I think it's lovely. I, I've, um, I'm quite familiar with the building and it seems to me that it can, it can be a lot of things too. In addition to the theater, that building has, uh, I guess, the, is it the terrace room downstairs that you call it? So for different events, and as you, you mentioned, art gallery space, it really is very, very versatile. Yeah, it, it truly is a multi-purpose facility. So downstairs, yes, the terrace room and there's an adjacent terrace outside. And in the summer, we use that for a variety of uh, community events, but including our Terrace Thursdays where we have uh, dinners out on the terrace. Uh, as you would know well, you've had a camp there for about 10 years and <laughs> until have. we were kind of stop, stopped in our tracks, but um, ho hopefully to return someday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great facility for, you know, baby showers and other family events, wedding showers. We've even had weddings in there. We've had celebrations of life. And um, for larger events, uh, the galleries are rented out as well. So once again, corporate, community, uh, events and they're you know when we're fully operational they're they're very busy really is a lovely building so i just want to jump back to the theater itself again a little bit remind me how many seats yes, you've got sure. in there so we have 330 seats and it's fully renovated the main floor and the balcony uh, the balcony is not accessible you know to wheelchairs we don't have any wheelchair spaces up there however um, very comfortable great sight lines from every seat uh, we have no obstructed views yeah. it's it's really intimate. Yeah, and it does seem to me that the, if memory serves me correctly, the balcony was one of the last renovations you did. Is that correct? That's right. So in 2017, we applied to Canadian Heritage for a grant to renovate the balcony and we were successful. And along with the Meaford Culture Foundation, uh, who did a significant amount of fundraising as well, uh, we were able to renovate the balcony. And we were also able to digitize all our technical gear. So even between uh, 2006, when we reopened to 2017, naturally the technology involved in running shows had changed. It had, it was, had gone from analog to digital. And so we were able to upgrade all of our equipment. So we're really happy, like we're, we're good to go. Yeah, no, it's great. Anytime I've been in there, uh, you know, year after year after year, I see upgrades. But the other thing I noticed that there has always been attention to preserving the uh, heritage integrity of the building. Most definitely. So uh, on the grant uh, side of it, I was able to apply for and was successful in getting a grant this year. Um, that's one of the things that I've been working on. And it's just to, we're going to replace our screen and projector. Uh, we've got some wireless mics and, and um, other equipment, lighting and moving lights, Dean. Next time you come back, you'll be able to <laughs> take advantage of moving lights nice. and yeah and um so you know i think it's really important uh as you say that we we respect the integrity of the original architecture and and you know acoustics of the theater but we make sure that it's got state-of-the-art technology so that when people come to meford hall it may be old but it's got all the modern conveniences or the the high technical 
uh, gear. And of course, our technicians are highly skilled as well. Like we're very proud of our team. Well, I think you guys have got a great building there. And I think you've done a great job of that mix that we've talked about of the of the uh, the heritage and of the uh, the state of the art. So congratulations yeah. to you guys. Well, thanks, Dean. It's 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 been fun. It's been a pretty wild ride. I've been working there since 2007. So, um, you know, we I was there for the, the relaunch and uh, I guess I will be there for the next relaunch next year. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And there, Although, and and there will be one, you know what, they, yeah. it will, it's, it's one of those things that is unfortunately taking some time. Um, mm -hmm. And cer certainly nobody knows that, uh, or I, I know it as well as many other live artists, I'll put it that way. Yes. Um, and we yeah. just have to be patient. It is just, it is part of the process and, but it will come back around. Yes. Well, we're still hopeful that we're going to be able to have one week of summer theater this year. Um, I have a, I have a Norm Foster play. It's not fully announced yet, but uh, for one week in August. So if things go well, that will be really great. I, I'm, I'm very excited. Um, it's going to be a little bit more scaled down than normal in terms of sets and things like that to ensure safety for the load in the loadout. But um, I think, I hope we can do it if the numbers and the immunizations continue. And then in the fall, I'm hoping to bring back smaller musical acts and just start to grow. But I have a full slate planned for 2022. Like things that are already sold out from before, from 2020. I mean, that was the other interesting thing that happened is as people called for refunds, there were a lot of shows that pe people didn't want refunds. They're just following the show ahead because they really want to see that artist. And as tickets do get refunded to the odd person, we'll come in to work the next day and we'll see the tickets sold online and we'll think, oh, how did that happen? Well, People are watching and it's, they're anxious to come back. They want to come back when it's safe. And we have to make sure that when they do come back, they feel safe, that they know they're, you know, going to have a wonderful experience and, you know, to push it isn't the right thing to do because we want to keep that confidence. I agree. Well, both fingers are firmly crossed. Yeah, me too. <laughs> fingers and toes. <laughs> I, they're crossed. Everything is because we want to see that reopen. But again, uh, we want to we have to have it we have to have it done safely absolutely okay great thanks so much susan okay dean thanks for having me if by chance you are not yet familiar with meaford hall do yourself a big favor and get yourself out to an event when that day arrives and it will chances are you'll be so glad you did the website that you need to go to to check out those things that susan and i chatted about meafordhall.ca i'll post that on the this here while podcast with dean holland facebook page here. Wow. My next guest and I have a few things in common, I think. Well, we've both performed on the Meaford Hall stage. We've both performed on another local stage together. And lastly, well, actually, you know what? I'll share that with you a bit later. A relatively newer resident of SGB, Craig Ashton has quickly become part of the local fabric, business-wise and also artistically. With a background in opera and then musical theater, we are so lucky all of us here in South Georgian Bay, to count him now as one of our own. I started off our chat asking him about his work as one of the original members of a group called the Canadian Tenors. Yeah, I was one of the original members. I don't know if it's gone through many var um, variations of people and, and uh -huh. everything, but we were the first big, big one. And uh, that lasted six months. I was touring British Columbia yeah. for six months and that it culminated in a huge concert at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre 
with the Victoria Symphony. Really, really great. Really yeah, great. and for me as an opera singer to be on that stage with the Queen Elizabeth Theatre with the symphony orchestra, I've always sung opera arias with piano and things like that, but to be there with an, a professional orchestra, you know, I have to say I was sort of in tears a bit at the end because it yeah. was like one of those experiences where um, I don't know if I'll ever feel this again, you know? Right. This is like, this is like, you dream of these moments in your career, you know, singing with a big orchestra and in, in, in front of thousands of people. Yes, I've done some work with some big bands, some 16 or 18 piece bands. And it is, it's a, it's a different type of high that, that you just do not get very many times in this day and age. Yeah, and, and everything was spot on that night. You know, as, as opera singers, I don't know if um, you probably feel as an actor or when you're singing as well um, in your shows that we, we, it's like fate, you know, we tempt fate. Every time we step on stage, we don't know what our instrument is going to do as a singer, as an actor, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know if our voice is gonna break. We don't know if we're gonna get dry. We, we don't know if we're, um, you know, we're gonna catch some dust on our throat or something, right. you know? and it's it's not as easy as it looks. I mean, we all make it look easy because we're professional, but you know, there there's moments on stage where you're like, oh my God, am I gonna get through this next line? Or am I gonna hit that high note? It doesn't feel very good, here it comes, oh my God. But that night um, with the Victoria Symphony, it everything was just in alignment, like nothing, there was nothing left that I questioned. You can't ask for anything more than that. No, and you, you it's rare to have those moments. I can think of one other in my life, you know, but the rest, there's always been a struggle in the performance or something went wrong or you forget a word or you, you know, you're not in the right alignment or anything, something like that. You know? and, and it's, it's interesting because that's the, the thing that keeps a lot of people away from doing what we choose to do because that fear of yeah. how, how on earth could you get up there in front of all those people. But it's part of the adrenaline rush that we... Oh, that's it. Total adrenaline it's rush. It. Yeah. It's the adrenaline, you know, and you put yourself out there. And uh, there's that that high when you've accomplished it that is like none other. Yeah. Well, exactly. another an, another great fortune, a great a great night, as it were, a great week, I think, for uh, South Georgian Bay was when you decided to relocate up here, <laughs> and uh, that wasn't that too long ago, was it? It it has no, been it was five years ago. Yeah, because I I remember starting to hear your name uh, a few years back, and uh, right from the get go, it was all about oh Craig Ashton. The voice of <laughs> hearing about that right from the time you set foot here in, in our area. Well, I have to say that moving to Georgian Bay, South Georgian Bay, Collingwood area, actually opened a new period of my career. Because I had been in Toronto and I was working with the Canadian Opera Company Chorus, which is great. And it's a professional chorus and you feel honored to be in it because you're chosen out of an audition. Every year you have to audition, you know, and they choose a core of singers. And I had 10 good years with them doing that. But before that, I was doing shows like Showboat and Phantom of the Opera and Stratford Festival and um, doing the Canadian Tenors thing. And before that, I was with the Canadian Opera Company and traveling all over Canada doing doing roles. Um, but I, quite honestly, when we moved up here, I was like, what is the next stage of my career? Am I just letting it go? But the community just embraced me and I've had so many opportunities to create my own shows. Um, first with the Gaiety Theatre, I did, did a show there and worked with Erica Angus at Theatre Collingwood for one of their cabarets. 
And it also gave me the courage to sort of be my own producer. And I started my own group called Ensemble Classique. Mm -hmm. And now we travel through to Meaford and, and Collingwood and, and Blue Mountain. We've done concerts for the last three years around this area. And so it's sort of exhilarating because it this this move, while we open two successful businesses, the flower shop, uh, Collingwood Flowers and Craigleaf Manor Bed and Breakfast, it also afforded me a new chapter of my of my career mm -hmm. as a singer, and I and I've met I met you and I've met um, Shipyard Kitchen Party and we've done you know a hundred years from now and, and Tom Thompson's Wake and like meeting you guys and and being a performer with with all of you like that's that's another great uh, new chapter of my life as well. Yeah, so but, who who says your mid fifties everything goes down? No. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, the big question, everybody's, the COVID thing has really just changed so much. Yeah. You know? And uh, I mean, our last show together was a, was the, the Tom Thompson show. And that was very yeah. interesting, of course, because we did that as a, a live stream. You know, we did it as a live presentation, but there was nobody there in the house. But it does make it was the weirdest thing, wasn't it? It was the weirdest <laughs> thing, indeed. Because I mean, we, how do we you, as performers work often? Off, off an audience, right? Like it's just so exactly. exhilarating. It was Applaud, so laughter, all that stuff, you know. Yeah, we feed off that, and it wasn't yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, uh, we have recordings that we can fall back on from time to time as well, though. So, yep. which is, which is uh, nice. I, for example, I know that I have you as part of uh, the. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, part of the cast recording of the Canadian production of Showboat that happened many years ago. That must That's have been right. quite yeah. the endeavor. I know that I came across your name. Uh, it might even be in a little bit before I got to know you. And I was sailing through it looking for something else. And I thought, oh, Craig Ashton. Oh, so he was in that. Yeah, I was, I was really lucky. Um, so my journey into musical theater was sort of out of vengeance because I was at the Canadian Opera Company in their ensemble pr training program. But I had been hired by Lotfi Mansouri for that program. And just before I started, uh, he decided to go to San Francisco Opera and left this whole um, pool of singers that had been hired into their first year of this wow. great training program oh for another artistic director. Oh, okay. um, I won't name their names. But anyway, it, it, it wasn't a good four years for me. I, I sort of felt stifled. They didn't see the, the merit of me having them on their roster. And mm -hmm. so I wasn't, I wasn't utilized the way I thought I was going to be because um, Lotfi was very keen on me. And, and, um, you know, I, I I did my best. I you know I tried to uh, build as an artist and and grow and um, but I remember my last year I was I was supposed to be doing Albert Herring the lead. I, I had all the shows, all eight shows, and they pulled all those eight shows and they gave me like two two of the nights and brought in an American singer. So I was really um, angry. <laughs> so my agent said, "Oh, they're having auditions for Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat." Garth Rubinsky. Yeah. So I feigned being sick at a rehearsal because I was just <laughs> sitting around watching somebody else do it. Yeah. And I went and did this audition for Garth and Annie Allen and, and all these people. Um, and I remember singing and uh, I remember Garth Rubinsky going, where have you been? How nice. And a day, yeah. And a day later, I was like hired for Phantom of the Opera. Oh, nice. And Good I did you. that for a year. And then um, I was the only one in the whole Phantom Company to be moved to Showboat. I had auditioned and I was the cover for uh, Ravenel, the lead. And yeah, uh, yeah and it was great. And um, What a dream. 
yeah, it was a dream. It's too bad, you know, my first day of rehearsals, I, um, I my alarm didn't go off and I was two, hour, two hours late. Two hours late. That's the best. Uh, so I'm sitting, I go up to the rehearsal. They're all, you know, the stage managers, are, they were worried, first of all, what yeah, happened to you? And I was just, couldn't lie. And, you and know. I have to ask, how did you get there? Where, how was your, what was your mode of travel? Was I it? had to take the subway from downtown, <laughs> from downtown all the way up to North York. So just <laughs> freaking out. Buddy. And of course, I mean, it's, it was, worth, it's worth reminding that, of course, this is in the day before we carried around cell phones. Exactly. So there was no just cell phone. call yeah. and say, I'm on my way. <laughs> so they take the stage manager takes me up to the room where they're rehearsing and it's the first day and all the New York producers and the directors and choreographers are sitting at their long table across the front. Wow. And then the cast of, you know, however 130 people was was in the room <laughs> and and I'm like how am I going to make this entrance and you know, <laughs> So I actually got down on my knees and came into the room on my knees. Oh, and did I said, you? <laughs> so sorry. I am so sorry. This never you. will happen again. <laughs> Good for you. I know. How, how do you enter that room? Good for you. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Oh, great story. You, and you just hope they're not going to get rid of that guy at the first chance. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, it's a beautiful recording. Um, and if you get the chance uh, to, uh, for those listening, to, to, to grab a hold of it, or you might even have it. A lot of people would have it and maybe not realize that you are included in that cast. So if you, yeah. if you open up that recording of the Toronto production of Showboat, what year was that? 90? I want to say mm -hmm. 94, but I always get that wrong. I think it was, yeah, 90, 93, 94, I think. 93, so. 94. Yeah. So, but anyway, you are included in that. So, so until we get to hear you sing again, as you mentioned earlier, you have a couple of businesses in town. The easiest way to get you is downtown Collingwood. You have a really great flower shop. Yeah, we've um, fared well during COVID. People are wanting to send flowers, yeah. you know, to their loved ones because yeah. they can't get together with them. So it's it's the one way that people feel they can they can still reach out to their loved ones. Yeah. Uh, with, we've got a very successful website and we've got phone phone in orders. So we were able to close the store and still do curbside pickup. And, Beautiful and uh, deliveries, uh, safe deliveries. And, Good, okay, yeah. uh, sending, a, we're gonna, we're gonna, I've gotta wrap this up, but we're gonna go into something called Nuts No, I could more. talk for an hour, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll just have to come back now, won't you? <laughs> that would be great. It's Nessum Dorma, is that right? Nessum Dorma. Tell us a little bit about what we're going to hear in a moment. Yeah, it's uh, from Puccini's Turandot, and uh, it's Prince Kalaf sings this. Um, uh, he's been given a riddle to solve um, of, about the true identity of his of his love, and he has figured it out. He he and he knows he's right. So he sings this aria, um, which at the end he sings vincero to a very high and loud finale, uh, which means I will win. Once again, very fortunate to have Craig in our community. I'm looking forward to any chance that might happen to come along that will have my ears enjoying what he does so very beautifully. Now, I'm switching gears just a bit on you. My plan was to have a very brief, say 10 or 12 second clip of Nessun Dorma that we talked about. However, I'm going to do one better. If you go to the This Here Wow Facebook page, I'll see about posting the full track, maybe even a second selection as well, along with any additional information I can muster up on any upcoming engagements Craig might be working on.
Something else that brings a bit of music to my ears when considering things like buying or selling a house, perhaps, is the name Jen Schulte, real estate broker with Century 21 Millennium Inc. Brokerage. You know, for 22 years now, Jen's been creating her rather impressive, top-producing Jen Schulte team right here in SGB. And what never ceases to impress me is her seemingly endless amount of energy and that drive that she carries with her and shares with others, quite frankly. Jen plays a big part in bringing this here wow to your ears each week, for which she should be applauded. Why does she do this, you ask? Well, because she, like yours truly, just knows that South Georgian Bay is so very exceptional in so very many ways. Both of us share that mantra, SGB, the place to be. So, if you're looking to build your wealth through real estate investing, or if you're looking to buy or sell anywhere in SGB, Jen and her team will help you sell smart and buy smarter. Guaranteed. You can find her on Facebook, Instagram, or go to jenschulteteam.com. Some of my earliest recollections of my next guest are of him and his son up and down Main Street of Collingwood after business hours, up and down poles adjusting and testing audio speakers. Now that I think of it, most of my recollections of this next gentleman are of him in and out and up and down, usually in between the seating of theaters and concert halls, also dealing with things audio-related. In my estimation, Roger's about the best there is in the business of sound amplification and recording. A production I've been involved in over the last couple of years, a show called Tom Thompson's Wake, gave cause for me to visit a recording studio in Cremore. Now, typically, Roger Robinson is rather quick to deflect any attention I attempt to shine his way. But after a bit of hounding, I convinced him to speak to me about this rather magical, yet humble musical space in the southern portion of SGB. Yeah, I always say it's one of the best hidden gems in this area. And the thing, Dean, is I had that same scenario happen to me, Must you know, back in early 2000 when I kind of tripped upon all this and that's kind of where my journey started like I saw out in front of this building it looked like a garage kind of like I mean it looked better than a garage and it's detached from a residential house and I looked at this thing and I saw Kennedy recording studio and of course it had a big microphone on it but it was kind of hidden behind uh you know like hemlock uh you know the big bushes and stuff like that and I thought, wait a minute, that's his recording studio. And that's when I took interest too. So I had that same experience, Dean. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you walk in through the door and you, you go down the small hall. And I uh, remember there's a, a sort of an old upright piano there. And then you clear those doors and it all becomes like state-of-the-art technical equipment and, and behind glass and, and, it, and on all soundproofed and wow that's it just it really really wowed me i wasn't expecting that yeah and that's that's happens to a lot of folks that come down to record and they have that same experience okay i see a house and there's some building to the side of it um i don't know how could you be recording in that but what they don't realize is i've never actually put the total together but i know the design in that recording studio it's up over three hundred fifty thousand dollars just for the building uh, because it's built as a real studio, maybe for people who don't know how a real studio would be built. You never want your your walls touching the ground, and you don't want your floor touching the ground. Now think about that feat. So you you know how that works is you you end up putting rubber down 
before a cement foundation goes on. It's called a floating floor. There's no transmission of uh, road noise or anything outside of the building, let alone vice versa. There's no transmission going out of the building. It's totally isolated off the earth. And there's a lot of engineering that goes to a real studio. And that's one of them. So, and you said you, you came across this about 20 years ago. That's correct. My wife and I and son moved up here, but when the, you remember Y2K, the, the year 2000? Mm-hmm. I remember we, it well. We ended up getting a cabin up in the hills of uh, Glen Huron, which is not far from Creemore. And that was all about, because we bought, we, you know, we got this cabin and it had a gravity, gravity fed well. It had an oil burner. And you remember like the, all the talk, like the world is going to come blowing apart because, you know, that, and we thought, well, if, if the world comes down and there's no hydro, we're going to be okay. And so we moved up to this place called Glen Huron and um, nothing happened, of course, in the year 2K. And uh, so I got to know the town of Creemore a little bit because they had different fest and it was very artistic down there um, more than it even is now. But uh, back in the year 2000, uh, it was a real arts community building Creemore. And so we, you know, we'd go down and get familiar with all the artists and and there was a lot of music. And that's kind of when that happened to me. Uh, I'd say it's more like 2002. I stumbled across this building. And coming from a pro audio background and recording background, um, and, you know, we owned our own studio in Pennsylvania with my own band. Um, my ears perked up when I saw a recording studio. I went to the front door. I met George's wife. George owned the studio. And I introduced myself and she says, oh, my goodness, this would be so good for you to meet George because he needs to talk to a guy like you. Now, what he needed to talk to me about was George came from the the older way of recording with tape we're in the we're in the digital world like everything we do is digital right we work with uh, software to, to even do the zoom it's all software in our computers um, but recording stu- studios nowadays it's mainly software and that that's a learning curve in itself and so george you know he had been into tape recording but all his clients kind of were wanting to do this digital stuff. And he just felt like he was right out of, out of the pond and all of that. So that was my introduction to it all. And so I helped him set up that studio and um, his son-in-law, Nick uh, and George and I, and Frank from uh, Save by technology in Toronto, we totally flipped that studio into a digital studio. And that's where it began with computers and, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. How long before you met George? Did uh, did that studio run as a as a is it fair to call it an analog studio? Yeah, it was an analog. Exactly, Dean. That's exactly what it was. It was an analog studio. It hadn't been up on its feet running like maybe two years. Um, it took a while for George to build that studio because it's there is a lot in that building. Um, I took someone for a tour, even up into the ceilings. Like it's unbelievable the craftsmanship and. In there, so he probably started that studio in 1998, and it really didn't come online until uh, three years later. You know, like 2001. So um, he had been tracking a lot out of his home on reel to reels, and I, you know, there's quite a story, and I don't about George, and he was kind of known as the Nashville of Creamore in my mind. You know, he was very connected with a lot of local musicians. They used to have big. I would say like concerts in this big backyard they have. And, you know, people I run into even today, 
um, I'll say, do you know, did you ever know George Kennedy? Oh my goodness. I heard about all those big festivals they had in their backyard. This is where it all started. Like all the bands were actually coming down to play in the summer down in their backyard. They built a stage and all that. And I think this is where George got the passion Dean to, Hey, wait a minute. We got such a music thing going here. I should build a studio. So then he would have ended up recording a lot of these, a lot of these acts. He did a lot of local recordings. Yes, he did. So he was very well known and his wife was very musical, Marlene. Um, you know, she's a gal that grew up in Toronto, moved up to um, Collingwood years later. And uh, she had a musical background and, uh, you know, uh, her and George met. And then, you know, they ended up in Creemore. And there's not one instance, Dean, that I wouldn't be down at the studio when there wasn't a jam in their in their kitchen. It, I, I'm, it, it's just, I wish I would have filmed it. It was like a big round table of all kinds of musicians. You could guarantee Friday night, Saturday and Sunday, there was people down there playing uh, a lot of country, a lot of, you know, 50s, 60s rock and roll, jazz. It was all happening out of that kitchen. And then a lot of the times they just hop over to the studio and start tracking it. Well, I got to tell you, the only time I hate hearing stories like that is because I feel like I missed out on something really great. Dean, I'm the same. I feel like, oh, my goodness, this sounds like the malt shop to me. Like it, you think it all happened in the States, but it's actually it happened up here. And there was a real thriving band circuit up here, you know, to where they're wearing the tie, you know, the ties like the Beatles and their hair is all greased back. John shows me pictures. George has pictures that I've seen. And I go, wow, it's like, I, I, yeah, I have that same feeling like, wow, I feel like I really missed something. I would say you're very fortunate to have stumbled across George and it sounds like he was very dear to you. He was, you know, the connection between us was he had such a passion to record and he had such a passion to connect musicians, but he was missing the engineer part of it. And I was able to fill that in for him and he was able to fill in the part that I had just moved up in this, these areas here and I didn't really know what was going on with music. And he, you know, he just opened his arms wide and just introduced me to so many people up here. And we had a good synergy between us. And, and when I think of George, I think of him like an uncle to me, you know, like every time, you know, one of those personalities, every time I met him, I just, it, it could only make me smile <laughs> because he just had, he just had his own big smile and he was just always wanting to do things for people musically. And uh, we really worked together well. Now, now the problem was I was on the road doing live shows so much that I, you know, near the, the last 10 years, I could only pop in and help once in a while. But I was there with Nick at the beginning to get it up and running. And he kind of paddled out into it himself. And he'd phone me up. He'd say, Raj, when you're off the road, could you maybe swing into Creemore and, uh, you know, maybe fix up these tracks for me. And, and I, you know, if I could, I'd come in and we'd fix it up and he'd print, you know, he had his own way of printing CDs and labeling them and all that. And uh, he had it all going. And so he was like an uncle Dean. He really was. I can actually say that. That's tremendous. I, I was going to ask, I'm guessing that a, because George is no longer with us and B because of COVID that things have changed in the studio, but what would be a, uh, like a day to day or a week to week, what's happening with the studio these days? You know, prior to COVID, we had a lot of stuff lined up. Uh, this was going to be a, a big year for recording uh, down there. And, um, and then, you know, last March, things started to change it. Uh, but we we're still able to have, you know, people into the studio. And, I mean, you know, um, 
there's a lot of isolated rooms in there, right? The control room where I would reside. And then you have the big live room and then you have a vocal booth and you have a drum booth. But at the, you know, it just got to the point like, uh, you know, I'm going to wait and see. And I, I'm still in that, you know, mindset. Uh, I'm just waiting until things are a little safer. If somebody were interested in doing some recording there, is, is that an option? And is there somewhere they can get in touch with you regarding that? I'd love anybody to get in touch with me. Right now, we're just on standby, but uh, those gates will be opening up at some point. And uh, if they want to get in touch with me, a good way is to get me at my website, which is Roger. And that's uh, there's two different ways to spell Roger. Mine is R-O-G-E-R at C-H-S, as in Sam, productions with an S, dot C-A. And Dean, I'm always straight up with everybody. Um, you know, I'm one type of producer. I work with many producers, actually, in that studio. And it doesn't always mean that I'm going to be the one tracking, but I love talking to people because if I think, okay, wait a minute, um, this producer and their studio is actually going to be a better situation because producers are flavors. You know, they never have to worry that I'm going to just try to, oh, you got to do it here. I, I just have a passion to make sure people, if they've got a craft, let's get you in the right hands. And hopefully it's me, but if it's not, um, I know a lot of people that could help. And there you have it. Roger Robinson, a wow in the world of sound. He spent many years traveling around the continent and the world, making things sound so very brilliant for so very many artists and audiences. Some of Canada's top personalities in the music industry continue to come to Roger for his expertise and talented ear. Pleased to know that man for as long as I have. I'll post Roger's contact info on the This Here Wow Facebook page. Oh, I do need to identify, as I indicated I would, that uh, third detail that Craig Ashton and I have in common. It ties into something I promised you at the start of this week's episode, specifically that the stories of my guests and their mere existence would span about a century. Meaford Hall started things off being built in 1908, George Kennedy's recording studio began in the early 2000s, and Craig Ashton and yours truly, both products of the mid-1960s, right smack in the middle. And there you have it. And that brings me to the point in the show where I express endless gratitude to each of my guests. Thank you for taking the time to be part of this week's episode of This Here Wow. I sincerely appreciate the time that each and every one of you took to chat with me and for the contribution that you've made and continue to make to the South Georgian Bay landscape. We are all very lucky to be able to be here in this rather exceptional space. Of course, I'll have an entirely different bunch of wows to bring your way next week. There's no shortage of them here in SGB. Now, if you have any questions or comments, or perhaps there's a wow that you think should be on my radar, please send me an email. Dean at thisherewow.com is the perfect way to do that. You can also go to my website, deanholland.com. That's Dean, H-O-L-L-I-N.com. And I would really love to hear from you. Thanks so much to the Jen Schulte team. Jen Schulte, real estate broker with Century 21 Millennium Inc. Brokerage. Go to jenschulteteam.com. Thanks as well to my technical producer, Ben McCulley, for cutting and pasting the show together so nicely each week. Thanks, too, to my favorite IT guy, Mitchell. Special thanks to Ash. Love to G. And a really big thank you to you. I look forward to us being together again next week for another installment of This Year Wow. Until that time, I'm Dean Holland. Wow!